Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 5, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Give me your attention. This section is universally agreed by pretty much all theologians to be the greatest theological section in the entire Bible. It's in these verses that Paul presents to us two individuals who through one act have had an awesome impact on the human race. Adam and Jesus. Adam is a representative of ruined humanity And Jesus is the representative of redeemed humanity. Now look at it again in verse 12. It starts off with therefore, as we already pointed out, when you see the word therefore, you always want to find out what it's there for. And the word therefore, of course, it refers back to verses 1 through 11. Now if you've been with us in verses 1 through 11, you know that Paul has been talking about the sins of men. Plural, with an S, the sins of man. That's what he's been talking about. What we do wrong as it relates to God, the sins, plural. Here, beginning in verse 12, saints, listen, Paul switches things up and he starts talking about the sin of man. Sin, singular. Now, in the Bible, when you see the word sin, Singular, are you listening? Listening? Sin, singular, refers to the root cause of sin, which speaks to our sin nature. The nature of every single man is that we are sinners, not because of what we do wrong. We are sinners because we have a sin nature. If you're with me so far, say amen. We have a sin nature. And so the reason we're sinners is because we have this sin nature that according to the Bible is passed down to us from Adam. Verse 12, through one man's sin entered the world. Theologians call this federal headship. Federal headship. Through one man's sin, sin entered the world. Now, notice in verse 12, between verse 12 and verse 21, we just read it. You will see the word one 12 times. Look at it in your Bibles. Verse 12, we see one man. You can underline it as we go by. Verse 15, you see by one man, many died. Verse 15 again, of one man comes grace. Verse 16, through one. Verse 16 again, from one. Verse 17, by one. Verse 17 again, through one. Verse 18, 
through one. Verse 18 again, through one. Verse 19, buy one, get one free. It's in my Bible. It's right there. Man. Buy one. Verse 19 again. Buy one. So Paul, listen, is setting up this comparison and contrast of one man's sin and how it affected the world and one man's act of redemption and how it affected the world. Through one man's sin, death entered the world. Now, what we want to understand right here, right out the gate, is that Paul doesn't try to prove that through one man's sin entered the world. That's not Paul's point here. Paul's not trying to prove it. Paul's accepting it as a fact. He's not trying to prove that through one man's sin entered the world. Paul is simply accepting it as true. Through one man's sin, are you listening? Sin entered the world. And the one man's sin is Adam. We find the story in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now listen to me close. Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 is not a myth, a legend, a fairy tale, or a story. I'll say that again because I think y'all were asleep. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 and 3 is not a myth, fairy tale, legend, or story. Amen. It is the events of human history. It happened. It was real. And by the way, the effects of what happened and what was real is still being felt today. The fact is, through man's disobedience, sin entered the world. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Sin entered the world. Now, we know the story. Perhaps you do as well. God made man. You know, Genesis 2 and 3, God made man and said, it is not good. And thank God he didn't put a period right there. <laughs> he went on to say, it is not good, what? That man should be alone. And so the Bible tells us that the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And from Adam's rib, God made who? Women's. God made a woman from Adam's rib. And then God woke Adam up and Adam couldn't believe what he saw. He said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, y'all don't read your Bible. That's why you don't even know that's in there. And Adam was excited because God made a woman from a rib. You know, it reminds me of this story. <laughs> Nice segue. You know, sometimes women are overly suspicious of their husbands. And don't shout me down, gents. I, you know, I'll speak for you. And, uh, and, and listen to this story. As Adam stayed out very late for a few nights, and, and Eve, she got upset. She says, you're running around with other women. You're cheating on me, she said. Well, Adam said, well, that's ridiculous. You're the only woman on earth. Well, they argued into the night and Adam fell asleep only to be awakened by someone poking him in the chest. And it was Eve. And Adam said, what do you think you're doing? And she said, counting your ribs. <laughs> 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 
So God, we know, I'll give you a copy if you like that after service. I'll be happy to provide you with a copy. But God, we know the story is God made Adam and Eve. And then God, what did God do? God put them in the garden. Remember, he put them in the garden and he said, Adam and Eve, you may eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, for in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. He didn't say you're going to die. He said you will surely die. Now, let's get something clear right now. We see in the movies and the cartoons where Eve is always giving Adam the apple to eat. Listen, the Bible doesn't say Eve gave Adam an apple. It says that they ate from the fruit. We do not know what kind of fruit it was. It could have been a banana. (laughs) We don't know. So Eve gives Adam the fruit to eat. And the Bible tells us that it was at that moment that death came into the world because of disobedience. Now we know, listen, that the story is not a fable, myth, legend, or folklore. We know that that cannot be the case because again, we still see the effects of that sin in that when God said you shall surely die, we know the story was true because there is currently death in the world. Hello? This is a no-brainer. Statistics prove 100 out of every 100 people will die. So we know that the story is true. Now, when the Bible talks about death, the Bible talks about three types of death, if you're taking notes. First of all, there's physical death, which is separation from, of the spirit from the body. Physical death. Your spirit leaves your body. The Bible also talks about spiritual death, which is separation of the spirit from God. And then the Bible talks about eternal death. That's everlasting banishment from the presence of God in hell. Spiritual death. You see, the Bible teaches that we are physically alive when you come in the world. But you are spiritually dead and separated from God. Before becoming a believer, you are spiritually dead. When you give your life to Christ, the Bible says the spirit of God comes to live with inside of you and he quickens your spirit. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. And you hath he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now he hath made us alive in Christ. But prior to becoming a Christian, you are born into the world, D-O-A. What's that, Rodney? Dead on arrival. That's the way you come into the world. You weren't spiritually sick and needing help. No, the Bible says you were D-O-A. You weren't ailing and undeveloped. And yet the Bible teaches that you were spiritually unresponsive. You were dead, flatline. No, you weren't on death row. The Bible teaches we were toe-tagged, if you will. You know, I've heard people say that we were all like drowning men, ready to go down with a hand up, reaching for the life preserver. And Jesus throws out the life preserver and you grab it. Some people teach that. No, that's not quite accurate. Listen, what would be more accurate, it would be to say that you had already drowned and died. 
and you're just floating and sinking to the bottom. And then Jesus dives in and pulls you out and brings you back to life. You were dead. That's more accurate. You were dead. Listen, dead is dead. There is no such thing as a little dead. <laughs> if you knew that, wave at me. Would you wave it? Oh, okay. You can't be half dead. A little dead. Dead is dead. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So when Eve gave the fruit to Adam, Adam, the Bible says, it was at that time that he ate. And immediately there began to be a physical and spiritual death. Now, it wasn't just physical because we know that Adam lived to be 900 and something years old. So he didn't just drop dead right there. But there was also a spiritual death that began immediately because the Bible says that it was at that time that his eyes were open. And when Adam's eyes were open, you know the story. He knew that he was naked. And he was hiding from God. And God said, Adam, where are you? I don't make the mistake of thinking that God didn't know where Adam was. God knew where Adam was. Don't you know when God asks you a question, God asks you a question not for his benefit, but for yours. Adam, where are you? Not because God didn't know, but God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. Get the CD. Adam, you're separate from me. Because of your disobedience, Adam, where are you? I suppose God would be asking us the same question this morning, wouldn't he? Where are you? Where's your relationship with God? Are you close to him? Well, I remember when I was a Christian, I was walking with God. I was on fire. Yeah, well, how about today? Are you still on fire? <laughs> Where are you? Adam knew he sinned. His eyes were open and was in disobedience to God. You know, one Bible scholar, and I think this is true, Adam you know, the, they, they were talking about, I was reading that, that it's very possible that Adam's being was very different prior to the fall. That his being was very different than ours. It's very possible that a Adam was kind of a being of light, if you will. Being able to go in and out of the presence of God because there was no sin in, in his life at that point. And we know that God can't dwell in the midst of sin. So Adam was in a perfect state at that point. And being able to just go in and out of the presence of God. You know, that would not be that far a reach, by the way, because if you fast forward to the New Testament, we know that the Bible tells us that when we are redeemed, we will be clothed in linen, bright, white, and shining. It's very, very interesting to consider what it will be like in heaven and what will be like in heaven. Isn't it? No more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow. How will we even, we can't comprehend living without sickness and sorrow. In heaven, that will be very possible. So when Adam sinned, death was issued to the whole human race. And every generation that has been born since then has been like Adam. Verse 12, all have sinned. Look at verse 13 again, if you will. For unto the law, until the law in verse 13, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death 
reign. Literally, the idea, guys, is death reigned as king. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Listen, there was no law between the period. If you've been here on Wednesday night, you know this. There was no law. Give me your attention. There was no law from Adam to Moses. And although there was no law from Adam to Moses, men still died. Sin was still in the world. You see, but just because there wasn't a law given from Adam to Moses, it doesn't mean that people weren't sinning. For example, you might be driving 85 miles an hour on a country road and not be aware that you're speeding. But just because you don't see a sign with the speed limit posted doesn't mean you're not going too fast. But when you see the speed limit sign, then you become aware that you are speeding. So from Adam to Moses, the Bible teaches death still reigned before the giving of the law. Death still reigned. Verse 21, look at that in your Bible. It tells us that sin reigned as king. Death reigned as king. Sin reigned as king in verse 21. And then look at verse 17. It tells us those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign as king in life through Jesus. Death reigned as king. Sin reigned as king. And verse 17 tells us, if you're a Christian, you'll reign as king. We're the king of kings. And what? Jesus is the king of kings. And what? The Lord of lords. That's a mistake I don't want to make. I said we are. No, it's Jesus. Y'all didn't even catch Y'all wasn't even listening there. Verse 14, look at it in your Bibles. Adam is a type or a picture of Jesus because both of them did the same thing. They did one thing that had consequences to all men. Now, look at verse 15 through 19, and let me just kind of sum it up for you. It's really, really simple. Listen, verses 15 through 19, and I'll talk, and you just kind of trek with me in verse 15 through 19. Here we have the contrast of the offense of Adam and the free gift of Jesus in verse 15 through 19. In other words, listen... Through Adam's offense, we were left with a debt. In Adam, we come up short. In Adam, we are found wanting and lacking and bankrupt. But the Bible teaches that through Jesus Christ's obedience, we are given the gift of justification. Adam's one transgression brought death. Jesus' obedience brought forgiveness to millions. Do you see the contrast here between the first Adam and the second Adam? In the first Adam, we have ruin and sin and death and separation from God and disobedience to God and judgment and law. But in the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we have rescue and righteousness and eternal life and relationship and obedience and deliverance and grace. In Christ, listen, we go from paupers to princes, from prison to the palace. Somebody say amen. amen. From paupers to princes. We reign with Christ as kings and priests, the Bible says. From paupers to princes. And I am amazed at how many people, Christian people, live like paupers. You know, 
How you doing? Well, I'm just all right. How's things going? Well, you know, it could be better. Wait a minute. You, you, you're, you're a prince. You're a king. Lay hold of the promises of God. Hold your head up. Oh, Pastor Ryder, you don't know how bad it is. No, I don't know. But God knows. Lay hold of the 7,787 promises of God in the Bible. Grab hold of those promises. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Live like a prince. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hold your head up. The Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hold your head up. Amen. Live like a prince. Because in the first Adam, we were paupers. In the second Adam, we are princes. Y'all getting this? Say amen if you got it. It's very, very simple. Now notice in verse 17, because I got to wrap it up and begin to close. If one man sin, here's the whole argument. Listen, if one man's offense, Adam, can bring judgment and condemnation, then one man's righteous act can bring justification. You got that? In other words, listen, when God looks down, give me your attention. When God looks down from heaven to the earth, God sees two types of people. And it's not black folks and white folks. <laughs> if you knew that, say amen. When God looks down from heaven, he sees two kinds of people. He sees those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. Two positions. Notice in verse 20. Verse 20, I had you underline it and, and highlight it because I want you to remember it. It's one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Don't ever forget it. Where sin abound. Look at verse 20. Are you looking at it? And look at the latter part of verse 20. Where sin abounded. What saints? Grace abounded much more. If you're taking those literally, this reads... This, 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 this phrase abounded much more literally reads super abounded. Don't you love that? God makes his grace super abound over abounding sin. I'm going to say that again. Y'all did not get that, did you? God makes his grace super abounding over super abounding sin. Amen. In other words, listen, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, there is more than enough grace to go around. Do you know that there is no sin too big? There is no sin too terrible. Are you listening? There's no sin too big, no sin too terrible. All of the sins put together could never exhaust the grace of God. This is where we get, I'm going to wait, y'all need to clap your hands. You know, listen, you know, we get to the point where we think, you know what, my sin is just too abounding. Oh, I'm too bad, I'm too bad, I'm so bad. And you know, honestly, I've got to tell you, I've seen people that I thought they were just too bad for God's grace. I'm like, you know, well, well, what can I do? I'm like, nothing, man, you're so bad, God can't help you, I don't you're just too bad, man. You're just too bad. In my own, <laughs> in my own estimation, they're too bad. 
But in God's economy, no sin is too bad. God can save. This is where we get the idea. It's not from the Bible, but we get this idea that he, are you listening, is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. That's where we get it from. Because where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Doesn't that make you all tingly? I love it. I love it because I'm a sinner and I remember when God's grace abounded in my life and God's grace continues to abound in my life. So no matter what you've done and no matter how bad it's been, God can make a persecutor a preacher, Paul. God can save and God can do anything. And no matter how bad you think you are, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And we all want to argue with Paul. I want to argue with him. No, I'm the chief. No, I'm the chief. No, I'm the chief. I mean, I know you guys are more chief than Paul. But where sin abounds, God's grace did much more abound. That's why, listen, when people ask the question, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? Listen, God has never, underscore, bold, highlight, capital. God has never sent anybody to hell. If you go to hell, you have made your own reservation. God doesn't send people to hell. The Bible teaches that God provided a sacrifice. His name is Jesus so that his sacrifice could abound over your sin so that you can have the choice, the opportunity to remove yourself from the first Adam and hide yourself in the second Adam. You get me? You have that choice because of what God has done. God has provided a way that every man can have an opportunity to come to know him where sin abounds. Grace did much more abound. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.